0: Welcome, everyone, to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I am your host, Patch, and with me celebrating the world of long-form storytelling in this, our season one finale of Invincible is my best friend and co-host Aaron.
1: Man, wow. <laughs> wow. Mhm. We got answers
0: some We got answers. Somewhat. I don't know if they were the answers that we were looking for, but they were definitely the answers we got. Those were two words that came out of my mouth too when I watched this episode. What a what a finale. I bragged so much about how the penultimate episode of a season is typically a fantastic one, and it was. But man, this topped it (laughs) from start to finish. I had trouble watching this for a second time for note-taking purposes, just because I was kind of cringing about what was coming next because I knew it was coming next. And I was like, I shouldn't close my eyes at cartoons because they shouldn't be that scary. But there were parts man where I felt very much uh, uncomfortable with everything that was going on and Kirkman and company did not hold back. So kudos to them for doing that. I suppose you know, taking season one, going out with with a bang for sure. What are your kind of reaction thoughts from all this?
1: Um, You know, I thought that it was a pretty strong finale in terms of surprise, shock value, pacing, action, that sort of thing. I was not as engaged in it. By the end, as I might have been in the penultimate episode, as as I was completely throughout the penultimate episode, and we can talk about why this is, but I was left feeling a little unsatisfied at the very end when the credits rolled. But for the majority of the episode, I found it to be just breathtakingly fascinating and interesting, and I I think that the hook here, the reason for what Omni Man is doing. Makes this something worth talking about, which is right. what I enjoy, and I love the fact that there's something to consider here now, and we go from there. And just to deliver that with not the the nonstop action, I mean, I think that the animation in this episode is off the charts. I don't watch a lot of gory horror animation, so it's kind of like my first experience really with that. But yeah, yeah, it's something else.
0: (laughs) It is. It is something else. Like you, I felt really engaged in the episode. I felt like there was a lot of heart. There was a lot of emotion. This is this is an emotionally charged episode. Lots of ranges of of emotions here, not only for the characters, but also for me as a member of the audience. There's a lot of props to go out to the storytelling and to the animation, as you mentioned, because you feel a lot of what is being thrown at us physically, and and that's that's hard to do, especially with uh, with animation, because you're sort of suspending your disbelief, and yet there are times when my my stomach kind of felt like it was being punched, uh, not as hard as obviously Nolan was doing that to Mark at some point, but it really felt very visceral and and all that stuff that just sort of kept me in the actual episode. All right, let's get to the cold open where we're picking up from where the previous episode left off. Nolan is uh, giving Mark and us the real story about, quote, where I really come from. So the title of the episode right there. Fantastic. Just a quick synopsis. He is from Viltrum, but not a humanitarian. Turns out it was survival of the fittest on that planet. And they wanted to expunge the weak in favor for the strong. So we got Darwinism happening here. The population was cut in half. I got a Thanos moment right here. And then we get Nolan's mission, which is create a Viltrum empire throughout the universe and send a handful of Viltrumites to weaken other worlds. So what Nolan said at the beginning of the season, completely the opposite. That's not why I came here. I came to conquer. I came to... Expunge, I came to get rid of the weak and basically assimilate. So, this is basically Borg in superhero form in, in some regards, except he's got clever dialogue and a mustache. And, you know, he doesn't say the same thing like we are Viltrum at that point.
1: Yeah. I, first of all, loved the very opening moment of this where. Mark has this absolute crazed response to seeing his dad cut the immortal in half. And Mark looks away down and then back. And we feel like we're in his character, I think. The way that he immediately goes after his dad, but in a way that he is saying, someone is controlling you. Who is who is making you do this? Like he doesn't want to believe what he just saw. And it takes him until his dad like tells this story. And gives the monologue, the the villain monologue, uh, to explain everything to us before he kind of snaps out of that. I just I love that opening kind of freak out from him to where, like, your dad just did something very clearly murdered someone in front of you that you thought was his friend. And your inclination, because you love this person, is to still give the benefit of the doubt that something else is causing it It can't possibly be true. And I that was just a really heartbreaking moment as well,
0: yeah, and i don't I don't know that Mark ever reconciled that throughout this first two thirds of the episode. There was a point that we get to where he, even as he's being pummeled, he says, "You're my dad, I'll always have you." But there's a lot of juxtaposition here, Aaron, that I thought was fantastically visualized and verbalized. You have Nolan, who is essentially trying to convince Mark that, look, this isn't a sales pitch. He's like, I'm telling you, this is the truth. This is actually a better life for you. Viltramites have a better life. And he gives some really compelling arguments here. He says, look, we can provide medicine and technology that's like centuries ahead for these humans. All they have to do is become our slaves. He said, but what about mom? What about mom? He goes, well.
1: I do love your mother, but. She's more like a, a pet to me. And
0: That's at that brilliant. point, I kind of stepped back and said, what? Yeah, the way he says <laughs> it is
1: like, it's not, it's, there's not even a, and the look in his face. I mean, it, he is dead serious. And it was just like, yeah.
0: whoa. <laughs> it's so nonchalant. And I think as Nolan is explaining this to, to Mark, it's almost as if he thinks Mark is stupid. Like, why are you not getting this? Why are you not understanding the immense power that you have, the opportunity, and really in contrast to these people that you've had to hang out with for 17 years. And it's such an amazing contrast because I'm a human being and I'm putting myself in Mark's shoes, not literally because I don't want to get beaten the crap out of, but metaphorically speaking, I'm looking at him and I'm going, man, I get what you're saying, Mark. But then I hear Nolan, I'm like, yeah, like he's been doing this for a minute. He's been doing this for a few hundred years, and at one point, I think in the episode, he's fighting with Mark, and he says,
1: What's seventeen more years? I can always start again, make another kid."
0: Like, there's just no compassion.
1: It, it was oh that and the that and the Debbie line about his wife was like, <laughs> "Wow." And that's that's where uh, Mark snaps back at him. But it's really interesting. So I I have mixed feelings on this. I love the presentation of it. I love this story idea in general about the push and the pull between legacy, birthright, family history, etc. Versus free will and independence in the present and making choices. I always think about like the monarchy when these stories come up, because I'm like, I I think the monarchy is the stupidest thing in the world. And it drives me crazy. How many people are obsessed with following the lives of the monarchy of England? A, because we freaking left England to be free of England and B, because these people have no value, regardless of what they may or may not be doing in the present with their accumulated status. The only reason that they have any wealth and status and fame in their lives is because of their birthright. And that drives me mad. But that's what Nolan is essentially espousing here, is that because of your birthright, you are better than everyone else and they are worthless. And it's people think that even in this world, you know, when when they're not Viltramites around and it's. An interesting story to explore that and see characters deal with that issue. And, and it's complicated. Yeah. It, like, it's complicated yeah. for the person like Mark, who has the option of being the thing. But then for me, I found it also maybe a little frustrating because I didn't quite fully buy everything. It, it, the way it's told to us, again, I kind of go back and I say, well, it's sort of like a villain monologue drop. And he tells us the backstory. So they wipe out half of Ultramite, They want to find the strongest, right? And then they go out and they start conquering thousands of planets. <laughs> so first of all, I struggled a bit with like the enormity of what he is saying, that this empire rules thousands of planets. So I was like, why? What is the purpose? Like, wh- Who cares? Other than just being supreme, what is right. literally what is the point? What what are you trying to get out of it? Usually yeah, an empire that is taking things over and conquering is, I guess there's a reason that like they want to, I guess it boils down to rule in the galaxy it is as any old tale as old as time. So maybe that's what it is. But then I kept thinking like, okay, well, you've been here 17 years or however long it's been. And you're just now like taking out a few superheroes. But, but what is, what have you been doing? <laughs> what you've like, right. Mark even calls him on it. He's like, you were saving people's lives, dad. You've been playing the game, but you've been doing it to the betterment of the world. Was this all a plan and a ruse? And, and maybe maybe he explains that at one point he was waiting for Mark to get to this age before he kind of like pulled the trigger on the plan. Is that yes. is that what it is? Yeah,
0: sort of. Yeah, he does mention that. He said, I wanted to make sure that you were a Viltrumite before I made the choice to include you in my secret. But you're right. I think Nolan has been convinced, and there's that scene later on. Where he flashbacks to Mark's baseball game, and he's all brooding on the sidelines, and he's like, "I could, you know, I could find a better view from up top, you know." And she's like, "You know, you're funny." (laughs) He puts himself in a position to sort of hear Debbie. Um, He hears her start talking about how this is what we're made for. But our children
1: remind us of the joys in life. It brings us
0: back, shows us what life is all about. This is humanity. And that's, you know, it's juxtaposed against him hitting Mark. And I love the visual of young Mark who has some teeth missing that are growing in. And then it you know, moves forward to Mark as a teenager, not having all but you know, two teeth because Nolan has just busted them all out. And so I think, I don't feel like it was fleshed out enough throughout the episode to have that kind of evenness for me to believe, you know, Nolan's going to be struggling with this when he takes off. I think his taking off did sort of accentuate the fact that we don't know if he's taking off to go back to Viltrum, if he's taking off because he's, he needs some time to be alone and process this. I got the feeling it was the latter because of how much he visually struggled. Like that was a great set of animation when he was like, no. And it's just like, I've, I've felt that way where I've wanted to be angry, but I've also wanted to be sad. And there's this battle that's in, in place. And I think that moment sort of told me, okay, he recognizes that these last 17 years haven't been a waste or just waiting for Mark to come into his own. He's actually learned. He's actually, you know, my theory is that he's saying these things to keep his Viltrum brain, like from going into, uh, being brainwashed by humanity. So he spent 17 years being acclimated to humanity, but it's there's a like small being little undercover.
1: nugget. Yeah, exactly. He's undercover.
0: <laughs> and, and so now he has a choice to make. I don't think that choice was really struggled with as much in this as I would have liked to believe that he does have that sort of 50, 50, like what should I do? But I do believe that he was struggling and that his choice to leave is as a result of that to do something. Now, whether he returns, I have no idea, but, It does leave us kind of wondering, is there a piece of Nolan that's still, is there still good in you? It feels very Vader-like. It's somewhat ambiguous, maybe not for the better, but I felt pretty satisfied with what I got because of how the episode sort of shapes up. And it all really kind of starts with Mark making that choice. He chooses Earth. Nolan chooses to beat the snot out of his kid for pretty much 10 to 15 minutes. And it's, it really is, it's a battle. It's like having a show where father and son are, you know, father's teaching son a lesson, but it's done in a hyper violent way through all these sequences. Like Mark's like, no, I'll never join you essentially. And Nolan's like, okay, it's this whole battle sequence that we get to see so much of Nolan's passion. I'm going to call it his kind of hyper passion. There's the moment that I kind of just, if I didn't see enough already where Mark rescues the pilot and then Nolan just casually squeezes his head and pops it like a pimple. It just leaves us sort of going, what is happening? It was all just wild and hard to kind of take in and really understand in that moment. And I think that's for effect because I don't think Mark really understands what's going on. He's trying to process what Nolan said. And then he's seeing his dad squeeze people's heads until they pop off and then it it just gets wilder and wilder and wilder.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he's at one point you can't even tell what he's wearing because he's literally just a claw, a head and a body covered in blood. I mean yeah. it is it's bad. I did I did know that uh, I believe Maverick would have actually taken him down, <laughs> and I and I thought that that scene was really <laughs> awesome because Mark goes out of his way to save one of the pilots, and you're like, yes, mm-hmm. this is a hero, and he's doing it. And for, the, for that to result in the act that you're talking about where Omni-Man comes down and he's like, why would you save him? Like, that's such a waste of your time. And just to snap his head like a pimple, like standing right there in front of Mark. after He's just saved the guy's life. Like, that yeah. is, it is brutal, right? And then that, and then it was just an insane murder spree to prove to Mark how cause he the whole time he's monologuing about how weak and meaningless earthlings are. He's trying to show him that there's just ants to be crushed yeah. and not worth saving. And like you said, the destruction of the buildings and stuff where Mark gets toppled on, but then especially right after that in the subway, the way oh that he, gosh. the way that he takes out the subway trains and all the people in them just cutting everything in half. Like, I mean, it was, it is unbelievable. And, and it's, it's really it's wild. Like it shows you the threat and the power of Omni-Man. I think he's all we've all we've been building to this. We've known he's a dangerous person, right? And especially in the penultimate episode where you really start to see like Cecil's throwing everything at him and he's not able to take him down. Like we're going to have a problem. This was next level. Like, uh oh, what are we going to do? There, there is no beating him. In my opinion, the only thing you can do is going to be to somehow psychologically get to him or emotionally get to him. There is zero chance that anything is going to physically confront him and be able to make him stop doing what he's doing.
0: No, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that Cecil gets that. I think that the Guardians see that. But there's an interesting slant here because they don't give up. Like, this is where the altruism comes in. I think this is where the Guardians sort of shine a little bit in this episode, because Cecil tells them to stand down in the previous episode, but they see what's going on, and they get inspired to suit up. Not what I would be doing, but, you know, this is is who they are. When we watch them get ready, they never actually engage with Omni-Man. They never have a chance to, because at that point, after he goes through the whole... Uh, Chicago throwing, and then the subway, which by the way, the the craziest thing about that is the fact that we see Mark's eyes open. Like if, if I'm, if I'm Mark and I'm seeing what I'm seeing, I'm closing my eyes. Like, I don't think I would ever recover from that trauma of the fact that he's not being hurt. He is being emotionally just traumatized because of the blood and the bodies and all this stuff. Crazy. And then you know, he puts him underwater, I guess to try to drown him and that doesn't work. Then he throws him into some snow and causes an avalanche and people die that way. And then he proceeds to just bash, 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 which leads to that flashback this whole time. Like the guardians are sort of gearing up for this. They're gearing up to do something, but all the stuff is focused on Nolan and Mark. And it's that moment that I think is really important where he continues to hit Mark over and over and over again. And I didn't think like this was a superhero fight. Like I thought this was a father beating his child. Like that's that's the feeling I got. And I think that's what makes it impactful is because it didn't feel supernatural. It didn't feel superficial. There's this great balance. And I think this is what the show does really well. There's this great balance of being able to show superheroic strength, but showing it coming from a place of emotion, not of just strength. That's what we got in the penultimate episode where he's taken down the immortal. And as you mentioned, it was because the immortal was trying to gouge out his eyes. And that's when his arms like split and he divides the immortal in half. The same thing's happening here. All the punching he is doing is not because Mark is fighting back. It's because he is mad. He is out of control. And it takes that flashback to get him to at least take a pause. But what I found interesting was even after that, he stopped and he said, why did you make me do this? And then we get that great line where he says,
1: what will you have after 500 years?
0: I don't know if that's forgiveness from Mark. I don't know if that's just desperation. It was really difficult to understand what was going on in Mark's head. Like, I don't know if he was saying, I'll still have you because I'm stuck with you because you're a Viltrumite. And that's what happens to us. We age slower. Or if he meant, I still love you, dad, and I will still have you. I I, I was left sort of ambiguous. I didn't know what your thoughts were on that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he was saying it's right after he he says the whole like, I can always make another kid thing. And then he has the memory of his son. And that's what he's saying. He's like, you know, what are you going to have after 500 years? Uh, in earth? Because it's, it's pointless. Right. And Mark is saying, if I'm here, I would still have you because you would still be alive. I think he's saying yeah. it literally like, okay. Like you and I are both the same. And therefore I would still have you. But he says you dad, like, which is awful, the way because he's like face yeah. is like bloodied. He's in the ground halfway, you know, three or four feet deep. But like, <laughs> it's yes. the fact that he says dad in that moment to me is him saying, like, I would still be alive with my dad. I would be able to spend 500 years with my dad. And how awesome is that? Like, that's his. He's thinking of it in those terms, which I think gets to him. I think combined with the flashback and that, because I'm pretty sure that's when he flips, he zips off and we don't see him again.
0: Right. I don't disagree. I think, and that's what kind of reinforces the, I think he's torn and he leaves because that's, that's sort of reinforced when Cecil says we can't track him beyond our solar system. So we don't know where he went. So we're assuming that he didn't go back to Viltrum. Now, I don't know if that means that they know where Viltrum is, but I think that the episode is meant to convey to us that Nolan is now on the fence. Like he has gone through this ordeal with his son, not just this 17 year old thing that he created that he could do again, but now he's wrestling with there's humanity in me. I personally am looking forward to what happens. I don't think he's gone I think he's coming back at some point. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that sort of gets reconciled, or at least the next chapter of that happens. And so that's probably the first like, two-thirds of the episode. And the last third is what I would consider kind of an epilogue. So after Nolan leaves, Mark is sort of left in that state. And there's this great little aftermath montage Cecil finds Mark. They bring him back to the Pentagon. We're getting these little reactions all over the place. Uh, the Mahler twins are getting arrested. They're burning their technology, I guess, to kind of protect themselves. I don't know really what that's, what that's about. That's when the Guardians reemerge and they start cleaning up along with Eve. So lots of great reactions from like what the world has seen. Like This is a world-changing moment where the guy that was your protector has now gone AWOL and we're left going like, "What happens next?" Right.
1: Well, I believe that the world sees things, but then towards the very end, there's dialogue with Amber where uh, I don't remember what they're talking about, but I believe she specifically says, "I know what everybody knows. He got blown up by a, you know, exploding pipeline or something," and so I I felt like the world. Learned that Omniwan went crazy and caused all this destruction, but then the media is saying that he is dead
0: now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's sort of tied in with with Nolan. And this is part of Cecil's PR campaign that he's right. that he's running. So if you maybe a few weeks later, Mark's getting better. He wakes up with his mom and she leaves his side and starts talking to Cecil, who kind of summarizes what you're what you're saying, that uh the team's doing all they can to help then move on. Like, okay, here's your here's your cover story. If anybody asks Nolan, he was killed in the in the explosion of the house, and that Omni Man apparently has has disappeared. I don't I don't know if the people think that Omni Man's disappeared or that he's died, but they know that he's no longer around. You're and right. What and then what um, there's two separate Amber, things here. Yeah. There right. Omni Man
1: is gone. Nolan yes. is believed to be dead. Killed in the gas line explosion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not. I did yeah. not specify that there are two different things here. Yeah, because <laughs> the rest of the world doesn't realize that Omni Man and Nolan are the same person. Like right. We do.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's the advantage that we have because now, and this is what I think is so great about this family of characters is that we don't have the Peter Parker Mary Jane struggle where he's like I can't tell anybody this. Like Mark has his core group of people. Uh, he's got Amber. He's got Eve and he's got William, the core four there that all know their identities. And, and I, love, <laughs> I love how Eve eventually, like they're at that diner having this conversation, consoling Mark, and he gets the call from Cecil. But I love the line where Eve's like, OK, guys, I just want to let the cat out of the bag since we all know about this whole thing with Mark and Omni-Man. I'm Adam Eve. And William's like, what?
1: Oh, my God. I see it now. You can make doubles of yourself. no. That's duplicate. I'm the pink one. Oh, right. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. So it's
0: great levity. I love that moment. It's so fantastic.
1: (laughs) I have, there's a moment that leads before this or in this kind of aftermath that did confuse me. So one of the great things during the fight, there's, there's very little during the fight that is not the fight, but one quick shot we get of... I don't remember the name of the new teen group. Do they have a name? I forget.
0: What do you know? It's the Guardians. New... The Guardians of the. They're, the they're called the Guardians. The New Guardians. The, the, new, the New Guardians. You want to call them the, the Fast new... Five, so you can. Do the I did. Five. That's what I keep. Okay, <laughs> so the Fast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so those guys, uh, Black Samson tells them, "Gear up. We can't stop this fight, but we can save lives," which I right. thought was awesome him kind of stepping into that role of like he was a guardian. And so he is the mentor. He is the old one. He's the experienced one. But then we get this scene where Rex is cleaning blood off of a wall. And I I feel like this is in their headquarters, like the Mm -hmm. old. It's the old blood from like, yeah. Omni man's murder spree. Is that what he's cleaning off?
0: Yeah. So Just, let's, let's roll the, the footage back. But one thing that you could miss is the fact that when they became the new guardians, after the tryouts, after the auditions or whatever, they moved into the new guardians headquarters and Rex specifically pointed out, what's that blood stain? That's gross. Cecil comes in and says, when you have become a team, when you've earned it, you can remove that blood stain."
1: Oh, well now it makes sense. Okay. Cause all that we get is him doing that. And yeah. Samson coming over and going, no, stop, we haven't earned it yet. And I'm so confused because I was like, what have you not earned? <laughs> There's been a fight that you're not part of and you're just randomly dudes like cleaning the wall. Like, what are you flipping out about? And then it made no sense. Cause after that, they all start helping clean it up. And then they go into like ultimate team training mode and they've bonded and they've become a team. And I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Like in sequence, without that key piece of information you just reminded me of, because you don't have any idea why he's doing what he's doing. But yes, knowing that that is an act that was previously stated to be the thing that will determine that they are now a team, that whole scene makes perfect sense and works really well.
0: Well, good. I'm glad it clarified and made the scene a lot better for you. (laughs) I actually love the music in this montage uh, i looked it up it's a song called we are infinite by the lighthouse and the whaler where we have really just everyone trying to move on the guardians are training as you mentioned amber is serving at the soup kitchen kind of feeling distracted here and there it's a morning period like it really feels like how are we going to move on and and i like that we sit in that for several minutes not just after the song ends but even when William comes back to the Grayson home and he cleans up the scattered mail that's been put there because you know, nobody's been home for several weeks, you know, he and he and Eve, they don't know where Mark is. I mean, they know that he's alive somewhere, but they don't know like where he is. So they don't have that kind of information. Maybe maybe Eve does. But it's really interesting just to watch how each of these characters sort of processes how things are going on, like even art. You know he's got that picture of him and Nolan, and you see him throw it away as he's, you know, kind of tailoring a new suit. And it's all just really emotionally evocative because everybody's affected by this.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I like this, and I like the I think there's a couple montages in this episode as well um, that are are really adding a lot. I think we needed the come down, and we needed we needed it too as an audience the ability to sort of like pick up the pieces after what we just went through and witnessed uh, there, you know there's a great sad shot of my girl in her little tree house and i was just like oh, right <laughs> i need to go hug her uh, but uh you know and and then we get like debbie and art art who's still alive god bless him I didn't think that was going to happen, but, uh,
0: lost that bet. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Also saw him like sewing at first. And I was like, Hmm, is he making a new suit for somebody? But I think he might've just been sewing, but, uh, like might not have tied into anything in particular, but, but that the two of them having this like therapy session over whiskey and kind of that's at the same time as the kids are having their little therapy session at the burger mart together, trying to come to terms with everything that happened and what's going forward. And I think it works very well up through that point.
0: Yeah. I think one of the other good parts that I liked were when Cecil visits Mark while he's in the hospital. And this is about two weeks after, um, after the incident, Mm -hmm. Mark wants to know all that's happened. And Cecil Mm -hmm. takes him to that really, really cool room where everything's invisible. And I'm like, how about that technology? That's kind of neat, you know? I like the, before that, but
1: the line that he says, aren't you going to tell me what happened? And Cecil says, that depends on if you want to still be a hero or not. Then Mark gets taken to the room, assuming he's saying yes. So this made no sense to me. This was, this is out there, <laughs> buddy. I, he says, you and everyone else in America do not have the ability to see the things in this room. And then he goes on to explain something about how they are essentially poisoning the water supply with something that limits people's ability to see a certain spectrum of light. And I was like, what? What?
0: Yeah, I got this I got quantum mania vibes here. Yeah, I was like, come on like, now, let's not do this. This makes
1: no sense. <laughs> Whatever you're doing. Yeah, I guess it was meant to just meant to show us that there's a much bigger global defense agency work in progress than we have been aware of. But yeah, it's, it's weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I was trying to see what all was being worked on. There was some tech that was familiar to me. The one thing that stood out was, Hey, the, uh, mortal, excuse me, the immortal is being worked on. Like, I guess they've sewn him back up yet again. So third time's a charm. Maybe you'll live forever. If you want to, let's not get parts of you cut in half. I think that's the key is if you're not cut in half, you will continue to, it's a continuous living. So I think we can make the argument that he is immortal because he keeps coming back. But the technical definition for immortal is that you don't die. So yeah, he's kind of cheating that, but apparently they're, they're trying to rework him back. Maybe they were opening his eyes to do something. I don't know, but lots of mystery there. And yeah, I'm like, that's not so far fetched to think that there's something in the water supply that causes me not to see certain things he also reveals that debbie knows about everything and mark's pissed and he's like listen she's a smart lady she figured it out so you just gotta, you gotta deal with that we didn't talk
1: about the title drop i would be remiss if i didn't give my rating because this is one of the best ones in the entire series so far they are talking about what is happening between the battle of mark and nolan
0: yes. and
1: there's a conversation, and I can't remember if it's Cecil or if it's Rudy that says it. It's Rudy. It's okay. Rudy that says it. The voice is also throwing me off in this episode. I just do not like it. <laughs> I, I, it's even worse than the first time. Anyway, but they're talking about it and they're looking at it and they're like all dire, you know, like, oh, no, poor Mark. And he says, to face his father and survive, he'll need to be, boom, invincible. And I was like, that is what it's supposed to be. And that is finally going to work. With his name, because you're right. And then especially because this whole episode is basically him surviving. Like he is essentially invincible for all intents and purposes for what the punishment is that his dad is dishing out. So I thought that this was just a really great title drop, perfectly used in a sentence, which is my favorite. And I had to give it some props.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. And I would say the only thing I would add to that is that it should be invincible colon with assistance because (laughs) it took him like two weeks to recover. So yes. That's true. Yes. He did not die. So (laughs) he is he is by definition invincible, but with with assistance. As we push through, we get through Burger Mart. And at that moment, I totally thought about you because Cecil gives Mark a call and says, hey There's something going on in space. I need you to check it out. I was hoping.
1: I was hoping. (laughs) I was like, please, 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 please.
0: Sure enough. (laughs) Mark meets up with Alan. Yes. (laughs)
1: Alan's back. Alan the alien.
0: Alan's back. (laughs) And he fills Alan in on all that's happened. And then Alan lets him know about what's going on across the universe. So this harken back to the episode where we get introduced to Alan. And I know one thing that you mentioned in our conversation was about the fact that he provides this great backstory, mythology, world building about this kind of unification of planets. And that's why he's there. Well, now we find out that there is an ulterior motive, not it's an ulterior, an additional motive to these coalition where they need to... Find planets that can join this fight against Viltrum. So, the whole thing with the Viltrumites and Viltrum, there's a war that's coming. There's a war, there's, there's some kind of pre war stuff happening. And Alan kind of fills him in, uh, in saying that this coalition is trying to stop the Viltrumites by uniting all these planets. So, it creates this well, I say universal you because it's the universe, but this intergalactic thing. That I think is going to be maybe the the blanket for season two.
1: Listen, the Star League needs Mark to defend the frontier. Okay, it's that simple. (laughs) Against the Viltrumite Armada,
0: (laughs) against is Nolan Zuer? (laughs) Is that what he is?
1: (laughs) Against Omni Man and the Viltrumite Armada, yes, that is exactly what this is all about.
0: So would Alan play Grig? would alan be the you know the, i mean would that play works Gr- perfectly Copa?
1: yes i think <laughs> yes actually cosine. i want that really well yeah i want that <laughs> but it did it did give me total like as they're sitting there having that conversation which i love their conversations in space because <laughs> their mouths aren't moving which because they're speaking telepathically and just it's it's just funny just looks looks hilarious but that i totally was getting like last starfighter vibes from the whole explanation of this coalition of planets needing mark to join up and yada 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 and you know let's go protect not just protect earth we need you to help save the galaxy against your dad and what your dad represents and who he's with
0: maybe season two is what the last starfighter part two is like maybe like they got morphed into this thing so now we've got more of a hyper violent uh all of rylos is behind you and then bloody, but, you know, stains or whatever. Yeah, great stuff, man. And then the episode finishes off with this interesting montage. I, I love the way that this, this this whole little section works because Alan's like, well, what are you going to do next? Or what are you thinking about? And he's like, well... And then we go through this whole like thing <laughs> of next- creatures taking over Mars. The Mahler twins getting put in prison. The Flaxons are gearing up for another battle. Doc Seismic, I thought was dead. He's back. He's alive. He's got some lava army
1: fire elementals. Yeah. I wrote down fire element. I don't know what's happening. They're bowing down to him.
0: Yeah. Titan and his sidekick are recruiting interdimensional dimensional beings. Battle beast is there. I don't know what he's doing. Getting a popsicle. I look like he was getting a popsicle and got mad or something. I don't know. And Cecil's working with D. A. Sinclair to build more of those cyborg drone things. So it's like a highlight reel of all these like enemies from, <laughs> from the season. I'm wondering what about the dude in the, you know, the Indiana Jones vibe that we got? What about the tomb dude, the tomb guy, you know, the, whatever yeah. the, the spirit being of some kind, I don't know, but all that is sort of like sandwiched between him being asked and him saying, finish high school, I guess. Oh, all right. Good. Sounds good. What is high school? Yeah. <laughs> and then the episode ends. Yeah. This
1: was a mixed bag of an ending for me. I- I thought it was wildly interesting to see like these snapshots and I had to pause and go back several times to kind of, cause they were really fast, like just single shots. Like there's yeah. an alien race yeah. somewhere in the alien in space. And he like slams a dagger into a monitor that has a picture of earth on. Like I don't what is happening here. I don't know what's yeah. going on with half of these things. I know that the intention is showing us all these different people that we've met and all these different people in the galaxy everything is still going forward and there are still threats and there are still people like Cecil preparing for threats, but just because Omni-Man is gone doesn't change that. And yet Mark is just oblivious to this and still just thinking about high school. But I felt somewhat let down by a lack of resolution for pretty much anything. And I, I had to remind myself like, yes, this is a comic book series based on literally a comic book, and this is how it works. Like they don't end. <laughs> they don't. They're not gonna just end. I I get it. So I I had fun. I was I wasn't upset by it or anything. But I did feel a lack of resolution because the resolution was finding out why Omni Man did what he did in the first two or three scenes of the show. But there's no resolution to what he did as far as consequences go, really. And yeah, it's just much more of like a. A Marvel stinger to set up the next season
0: is what yeah. it felt
1: like. Um, yeah. Which yeah. i I'm, I admit, like, I'm ready to push play on season two. I'm not going to do it until we cover it, but like, I wanted to just immediately keep going and find out what's happening. And that is the point of a comic book. So I'm just trying to keep that in, in my mind. Like, that is the medium that we're adapting and that is the purpose of this. But there was part of me that was like 75% of this episode was so strong and I would have, liked more from the the ending of it to kinda I don't know I don't even know what it would have been to be honest with you Patrick but like I just felt a little bit like the air went out of my sails when Omni Man just leaves and we're just left with well okay he's gone and like we're just gonna go on with life now. It's like, oh okay. So they fought and now it's just back to normal. Uh but yeah I think stories are better when they are complete. Right. And then adapted, whether it's adapted into a movie, or whether it's adapted into five seasons of storytelling. It's better when it's all one cohesively told story. And then you break it up and you figure out how you're going to break it, how you're going to split it up to effectively do it over five seasons versus you do it for two. And you keep dangling things and dangling things to make sure you get another season. And then you end up inevitably running so many shows do running into that er- issue of like, well, now we got to go super speed and try to wrap up all of these things because they're not going to let us keep going. Whereas if you had written it out previously, then it's either going to be finished if the sh- or it's just not if the show gets canceled. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. you you have a beginning and an end in mind. I don't know if this comic is still going. Is this? It's not. O- no. Okay. So they have they have an end point then so i I, i'm less worried because it's been a hit and i feel like at this point it's a big enough hit that they're going to let them adapt it all the way out till its conclusion um and i I think that's going to be all right
0: yeah i think the only thing i would add to that is that with kirkman who did the walking dead the walking dead was still going concurrently with the tv show so that was a bad example (laughs) i know it's a different i know it's a different property entirely but i I trust Kirkman in the same vein that I don't trust him because I know that as a showrunner, he could deviate and he could create more stories and that's fine. Look, he's a great writer. He's a great creator. I think for me, I just want to make sure that there is some conclusion in the big arcs that we get. Like if we don't get everything, that's okay. But I'm not apprehensive about it. I just, I'm cautiously optimistic, more optimistic than cautious because season one was so fantastic. And yeah, I'm definitely excited about getting into season two when we eventually cover it. All right. That's going to wrap up this edition of an original series. What's coming up? Well, normally we would end our season by saying we're looking forward to another series, but in this particular instance, we're actually going to extend this out one more episode covering the one shot, I guess you would call it, Invincible Adam Eve. So this is the one shot episode that I believe released after season one, but before season two. So we're going to give you a little bit of a bonus conversation by covering that next time. Thank you all so much for joining our conversation. I'm patch. He's Aaron and we are out of here.